0: Hello more than workers and I don't know do people like being called that if you don't and you want to be called something else let me know but that's the thing I could think of right now welcome back this week I am recording this intro on the 16th of March so this for me was exactly my one year in my flat and I know in the US the 11th I think of March was marked as the one year anniversary of covid for me, I really feel like the time started tomorrow on the 17th, which was the day I had a fever and had to isolate. And that was a couple of days before the whole country had to isolate and, or, well, stay at home. We didn't really all have to isolate. If you're living with someone, you certainly weren't isolating. You were probably wishing you could at some point in the last year. But it's crazy that it's been a year. I hit a different milestone. Over 2,000 listens to this podcast, so anyone listening now, you're in the 2,000s as far as listeners go, but thank you to everyone who's been listening. I really appreciate it. I'm more and more excited every day about the things I have coming up for you, and just people are starting to tell me about extraordinary people they know that would be good guests, and I'm meeting different people, and it's just, it's so awesome. I really, I really love doing this, and this is a good thing that came out of the pandemic for me, but as we're hitting a year, I know for me, it's gotten a little more difficult, honestly. I just find myself getting more impatient, but also more anxious too. Like as we're getting closer to opening, I kind of wonder how I'm going to adjust to that because my whole experience in London has been pretty much isolated. So if I was at home, it'd be a little different. I would have my friends and my routines I had, but now I'm kind of used to this. And so I just, as everyone's kind of either transitioning back into regular life or, if you're like me and you know, you're know you in a place where you're still shut down, just hang in there. Um, do what feels right to you, by the way. Because I know I've felt a few times now like I'm the dumb one in a way. And I don't know if there's a better way I could have said that. There probably is. But for following the rules and everyone else is right for not. But I don't think so. I think we have to do what's right for us. And we have to do what's right for the society around us. And so for me, that's following the rules basically and just keeping myself safe and then also making sure in turn others are safe and so I'm getting excited though about some things coming up in my comedy as well as things start to open and I really hope that we just get through these next months Uh, there are starting to be waves of COVID again in Europe and that kind of worries me because then it could come here and go back into the U.S. and everything but I think we're getting close I hope that this has kept you company and that you stick with me on this podcast because it's going to last well beyond this pandemic. This week, I have a fun guest. So my friend Rob, who you'll hear more about, who does all my design and basically has been one of the people who's kept me sane during this whole thing, recommended that I interview his friend. He has not agreed to be on the podcast yet, but he, he said, you should interview my friend. She's really cool. She started her own design studio and I just think it's awesome. And so he's seen her and the change she's gone through as she started her own business. So I reached out and she agreed. So I have Steph Mathina this week and she basically went from corporate and an agency job to her own thing. So this episode is really great, especially if you're thinking about starting your own business. You get a lot of insight to what that's like at first. And then also, if you're a designer, I think you'll really like this because you're going to hear what someone just like you goes through. And I'm sure you'll relate to a lot of things. And if you're anyone else, of course, I think it's a great interview too. And I asked some questions about design that I wanted to know that I hope listeners want to know. But I'm really glad to bring this to you. So you're going to hear an ad and you're going to hear some music and then we're going to be into the interview. Thanks for being here again this week. Welcome to More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self worth is defined by more than your job title. I'm Rabia, an IT project manager, comedian, nonprofit volunteer, and sometimes activist. Every week, I'll chat with a guest about pursuing passions outside of work or creating meaningful opportunities inside their workplace. As you listen, I hope you'll be inspired to do the same. All right, everyone. Welcome back to More Than Work this week. I have brand and web designer at Steph Mathena Design, and it's Steph Mathena, so the person who founded her own design agency, basically. And we're going to talk about a lot of things. How are you doing, Steph?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Doing well. Thank you. Thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Cool. So do you just want to introduce yourself a little bit to the More Than Work audience?
1: Yeah, so my name's Steph Mathina. I am a graphic designer specializing in brand and website design. Um, I come from an agency background. Uh, but about two, a little over two years ago, um, I started my own design studio. So yeah, I'm going on my third year of running my own business.
0: That's awesome. And actually, my well, my parents were entrepreneurs. And one thing my mom told me was it does take almost three years till you really established your business and you know it's going to be successful are you starting to feel like differently than you did when you first started
1: yes definitely oh my gosh my first year um which I'll explain like kind of how I got into that a little bit later but to give you a little idea of like logistically like my first year I was just figuring it all out (laughs) I still am very much figuring it all out but I do feel like I'm finally now getting into the swing of things um consistent client inquiries coming through, working with recurring clients, coming back. um, And yeah, finally getting a consistent income and making more money than my previous job. Uh, That took about two years to do. So yeah, I'm really, really happy to be in that place finally. Um, And it took kind of a pandemic year to really just like put my head down and focus and find out where I could improve on my systems and um and also just like doing doing the work and um kind of figuring it out as you go like you do with anything
0: <laughs> yeah let's start with how you decided to do this so you were in corporate yeah. and then you decided i'm going to branch out on my own and i think a lot of people when we sit at work will say you know i could do this better myself or i wish i didn't have to ask anyone i know what i'm doing and yeah. you kind of Did you have those thoughts or what brought you to it? Just tell that story.
1: No, I definitely did not have those thoughts to start with. So I did study design in college, um, but I wanted to go work for an agency. And I feel like that's the really common path uh, when you graduate from school is you're kind of looking at those agencies. And I got an incredible opportunity right out of school to work for actually an international agency based in Scotland, but they had an office in Minneapolis. So that's what brought me to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, worked with them for a couple years. It was incredible. I got to go over there and work uh, for a few weeks with the team. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Um, And we were working on big projects. So it was uh, primarily the hotel industry and beauty industry. Um, So yeah, I got some really great hands-on experience. And being the only designer stateside, I feel like that's where I really got a lot of the the knowledge that I now use with my own business, um, because the experience is actually pretty similar. Um, I had to take on a little bit more responsibility than I might have if I was working for like a 50 plus agency Mm -hmm. uh, with a bunch of other designers and stuff. So that's where my career started. And then I started working for a startup in Minnesota that's now a um, franchise company. So my kind of duty there was to take the company and, really establish their branding and identity and get it to a place where it can be replicated again and again um, across hundreds of stores across the nation. Um, And I really got to a point in that position that I felt like I had done kind of everything I needed to do for that company creatively. And I really wanted a new challenge. Um, And also I was feeling really burnt out. I was incredibly burnt out there because again, I was kind of the only designer. I was picking up a lot of um, I was doing like interior design work for the restaurants and um, doing a lot of other things. I had my hand in a lot of different pots. Um, and towards the end, I was just feeling really emotionally drained. And I, I kind of didn't even know if I, if I liked design anymore. I started mm-hmm. questioning that, which I feel like we all kind of go through that moment in our career. And that's usually when there's this big turning point. Um, but yeah, I was... I was really unsure of if I wanted to even continue with design. And that's when I started looking at nonprofits. And um, I really just wanted to create meaningful work for really good people. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so that's when I started thinking about it. Um, And it wasn't a decision that came fast. I probably was thinking about it for six months before I actually left my job. Um, And I knew that I wanted to... Uh, get financially stable enough so that if and when I made this leap, um, I could do it and I could, you know, support myself. And I will say I don't have um, a husband or kids. So I knew that the decision was only going to affect myself. So that mm-hmm. definitely made it easier than it might have had I had like family um, to to count on me. But um, yeah, it was six months of saving up, I saved up about six to eight months of my income at my previous job um, to make that transition and to not be so stressed about like the money side of it. But I had zero clients or zero, like nothing lined up. Um, And I was interviewing at a couple agencies and I got a couple offers and opportunities there. And the company I was actually leaving offered me a creative director role when I told them that I was leaving. Um, and I just, I knew then when I was presented with these other opportunities and I didn't want to take them, I knew that what I was doing was the right decision. Mm
0: -hmm. That's, that's cool. And I like that you didn't make a rash decision. You really were planful about it and went through all of the motions of like financial stability, especially because that can be like a big stressor and take you, cause you to take on work you don't want to. Right. Yes
1: exactly yeah but you're
0: able to choose choose what you did so what was it like then because that's one thing about working at an agency or something you're not really procuring the clients you're just you're getting the work handed to you here you go this is work we need to do or maybe you need to do a proposal or something so Mm -hmm. what was it like taking on those kind of things that you hadn't really done before in your previous roles and those those jobs
1: it was a lot, and I think in the beginning, there was definitely, um, I was very naive, and I kind of felt like, okay, I can do this, and I can do this in a way that's my way. you know. I don't have to necessarily, so like, this is ridiculous, but the first month of starting this, um, I kind of set in my mind, like, I'm not gonna get on any calls. Like, I don't wanna get on any calls, because I hate phone calls so much. So I'm like, I'm not gonna get on any calls. I'll meet with someone in person, but I don't want to get on any phone calls. Um, And I learned really quickly that just because I'm in my own business doesn't mean that I do everything my way. I still Mm -hmm. have to do things that I don't want to do all the time, if not more than I ever did before at another company. Um, So I got over that real quick, but it was a huge learning curve of that more, uh administrative side of things that I wasn't used to. You know, I was used to project managers. Um, and although I was um, you know, working for these smaller companies and I did have to do like a little bit more project management than maybe your average designer would at an agency, I still was very much like guided by these other people, you know, and mm. I had a lot of people um filtering information through before it got to me. So that's been the hugest uh, learning curve. And also just like dealing with numbers, you know, I was so used Mm. to just getting a set salary, this is what you make, and you know it now. And I'm still at a point where I just I hate looking at numbers so much. I just I don't even really care. I'm like, I don't even care as long as I'm making enough to support myself. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't even care what the breakdown was this month. And I've also learned that that's really important to know, though, because uh, in any business, and And in any um, professional career, you want to do better and you want to improve and you want to be able to, you know, I want to be able to make donations to places and I want to be able Mm -hmm. to do certain things that are important to me. And in order to do those things, I do have to make money. And that's been another struggle is I just have this, um, I've had this misconception that just money is bad. And it's that's been something that I've been working with and just my mindset around money. Um, But it's very much something that I've come to terms with that you need in order to um, do the things that you want to do.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think I, I have very little experience being a freelancer. I've done a couple things, but mostly I've just been at companies, but I know one thing that was hard for me and I want to know how it was for you. Is just defining your, the value of your work, the monetary value of your work, because when you were working for someone else, they were giving you a salary. So you, I don't know if you ever did that hour breakdown of what you were getting paid even or whatever, but it was definitely different than what the agency was getting paid. So how did you like come to terms with just my time is worth this much?
1: Yeah. That's another thing that took me about two years (laughs) to realize. Mm -hmm. Um, But Honestly, the the Instagram design community has been really helpful with that. So there's this really beautiful corner of Instagram that is all kind of like freelancers and small independent studios. And they're really generous with their knowledge and information. And I think seeing what other people are charging and seeing, um, you know, them empower each other and explaining kind of why everything that goes into it and then also experiencing everything that goes into a branding project firsthand and realizing, okay, you know, this might sound like a lot to somebody like a two or $3,000 package. For example, I w- I remember when I charged my first like $2,000 branding package, I was like, this is insane. Like nobody's going to pay this. But I'm like, on the other hand, this is a project that takes me, you know, one to two months. And I can't take on much more than two of them a month. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I, I've got to start charging, you know, what's going to be, what's going to pay me to support myself and to eventually support other people as I grow this, if that's something that I want to do, which I've now realized um, I think it is. So, and I've also seen the, you know, what my services do for other businesses. And that Mm -hmm. I think has been the biggest thing that's, made me a lot more comfortable in coming in with my prices. Now, I used to get so uncomfortable with talking about money and talking about proposals and pricing, and I'd be really flexible with it. Um, And now I'm just a lot more confident with it. And I think that's definitely just something that comes with experience and seeing um, the effect that your your uh, work has on businesses. Um, But definitely something that just you just have to work through and something that comes with time, I think, and experience.
0: Yeah, so it's a lot of different challenges that especially just with also the client facing stuff right I mean because you mentioned so I am a project manager uh, for a like development the software development but we do end up having a lot of conversations that in my case like developers don't hear it's like we just get to the here's what we came up with you know in the end but they don't have to go through all of it which is important because their job is to really in a different way to be creative about solutioning and you're doing the same thing. And so sometimes all the noise won't be helpful. Is there anything else that you've had to do now that you didn't have to do that? You're kind of feel like, Oh, I'm surprised I was able to handle that. Or I'm, I'm getting good at that.
1: Yes, uh, sales calls. So that's one of those <laughs> things that I'm like, ew, sales calls, like I'm <laughs> never going to be that type of person. Um, and that's something I, I feel like I've kind of mastered at this point. I, I, and this is not, okay, it's a little humble brag, but mm-hmm. but my success rate for a call is extremely high. And I just feel like I'm able to really vet before I get to that point and know, you know, whether or not someone is going to take this seriously, because the biggest thing I've found with brand and web design is if somebody isn't going to, if somebody else isn't willing to take their business seriously enough to inquire about these services and be able to invest in their business, then, you know, there's not much I'm going to be able to do for them to make them appreciate that. So I feel like, I've gotten really good at being able to vet the inquiries that come into me and know which ones are really serious about taking their brands to that next level. And then I'm able to get on the call with them and it's more of a conversation and and they already know what they need. You know, it's not Mm. something that I have to really do a lot of persuading. So it's kind of like I've rewired in my brain, how a sales call, how I, how I perceive a sales call versus like I used to just think it was this really icky thing and now I realize, you know, it can be this really beautiful conversation and this kind of finding common ground and, and making lifelong partnerships sometimes with people. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely one of those things um, that I did not think that I would ever <laughs> be necessarily good at. <laughs> and my my next thing that I'm I'm hoping to get better at is with numbers and just like paying better attention to that and forecasting and planning. So. yeah
0: and that, those things are so tough i mean either even as a pm like i have a budget handed to me so i know what it is but it, that was one of the most scary things to me was like uh i have to manage a budget like do you want to see my i don't have a budget for me yeah so no. i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah totally oh my god
0: it's so hard yeah um so one thing i think that people don't think about but that is true is like this is all providing a service. I mean, a lot of times people will think of, you know, other jobs as being service jobs or even customer service calls or whatever, but Mm -hmm. you really are providing a service to people in their Mm -hmm. branding. And how does that idea like form how you think of your interactions with people, especially when things are tougher sometimes, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're not aligned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, well, an agency, the agency work really helped me get a thick skin in terms of feedback on any design work, because that's what can be really personal to any designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I feel like I've gotten I've been able to distance myself from that. Um, but the hard part is when something. Yeah. When when people maybe don't understand exactly what they're paying for. Um, And this doesn't happen so much anymore, but I had an instance last summer, the beginning of last summer, uh, where a client just didn't want to pay for the work. Mm. And it was the only, only time that I've had this happen. And that was really hard, because they were, they were kind of thinking that what they got, uh, in terms of like a logo was just it. And that, you know, I'm creative, so I can just kind of turn that out. And give that to them really quickly. And there's no way that that could take me any time at all. And that was kind of verbatim what they said to me. <laughs> They're like, there's no way. So oh, yeah, it that was a really hard. And that that was one of those things that definitely made me in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> I was like the closest to quitting that I've ever been because here I had worked so hard on this project and put in so much time. And, and like you said, like it's a, a service based product. It's not just this end product that you're buying. It's all these hours that go into it and research. And so just kind of communicating that has been, um, has been a challenge. But like I said, I've, I've found more and more that, um, I'm attracting clients that seem to align a little better and do have an understanding of the service and what goes into it a bit. And now looking back, that's something I learned from tremendously. There were things that I definitely could have done better to communicate that and set those expectations up front. Um, but yeah, it, there there are definitely some challenges because service isn't as black and white as an actual just product, you know, that you yeah. think you're buying.
0: Yeah, Well, one thing I think would be cool is if we can get into a little bit about what it is you do. I mean, having established how you kind of came to build your own business, which I think is great because it it gives people a lot of information about how they should be planful and all the things that go into it. But just talking about branding. So a Mm -hmm. lot of people have a different idea of what branding even means. And I think it's something that gets thrown off, thrown out like, uh, oh, that's so off brand or that's that's really (laughs) on brand or. I'm working on my brand or whatever. And yeah. so what does like creating a brand entail and why is that important? Like for a business? Cause I think you're building your career around that. And I think it'd be cool to know yeah. people to know about it.
1: Yeah. So a brand is a working system of a bunch of different elements. So a lot of people think that branding is just a logo and a color palette. Uh, but really branding is your photographic style uh, your type style and your typo- typographic suite, um, and how you apply those elements, and how you come across, and um, how your brand makes people feel, and that's something that I'm really interested in. I'm really uh, through my branding process. I'm focused on looking at each brand's audience and how and why they're attracted to the brand, and how we can really strengthen that that allure um so yeah it's really this it's really so much more than just a logo um you know you see these days uh, I feel like pe- a lot of people are moving away from kind of the icons or the illustrative logos and they're moving a lot more towards uh, typography and logo types and that's definitely I feel like um, you know I feel like that's more of my focus is logo types and it's very typographic based because we're using these other elements to communicate how the brand should look and feel and how it should come across to other people. I mean, and I do work with a lot of more luxury brands and you look at Mm -hmm. the more luxury brands, they don't have an illustrate illustrative element. They don't have like um, an icon. A lot of times, a lot of times it's just their logo type and then it's all these other elements working to create a feeling and photography is such a huge one. So in my process to give a little background of that, Um, I go through a discovery phase where I'm kind of taking all this information about the brand and why they're looking to rebrand, what they're looking to achieve with that, because that influences my decisions a lot uh, throughout the process. And then from there, uh, once I've gathered all the information, we create like a series of stylescapes. So it really helps give them an idea of the direction of the project. And so we're taking inspiration, we're taking Typography or fonts, um, colors, and photo- yeah, I said photography, um, and all these working elements. And then we go into the concepting, and we create a logo type that kind of communicates all those things that we've talked about in the discovery phase.
0: Then, from there, like you start to have the conversation back and forth, right? And
1: yeah, yeah, like with the client.
0: Yeah, with the client.
1: Yeah. So I'll, I'll send them the stylescapes they'll approve. They'll say like, Oh yeah, I'm, I really like how this mood board or stylescape makes me feel. I want my brand to evoke that. So then I'm spending two or three weeks creating their branding, applying it to various collateral. So I'll apply it to business cards, stickers, uh, posters, uh, billboards, things like that to really give them an idea and envision each concept. Um, And then they're getting that on week probably three of our projects and they're looking through and they're saying, okay, I really like this concept, but can we add this element from this other concept? And then we work to refine it until it feels really, really good. And one thing I've learned is that just nobody knows their brand better than the business owner. Mm -hmm. So um, that's one benefit I think to working with like a smaller brand studio versus a big agency is I do feel like a lot of times we listen to the client a little bit more and we're able to be a little bit more hands-on um, with, with working with them. And it's a lot more of a collaborative process.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Cause I've even seen sometimes like just really big agencies, they'll, it's almost like they have a template in a way and they're just kind of like, here you go. And, you know, they probably, I don't know if they did, but it just feels that way. Right. So it's kind of interesting that your processes that basically the person who's doing the design Generally, is probably someone they already they talked to as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and yeah. In an agency, you're going through a project manager, and design is oftentimes putting it through to creative direction, and then creative direction says, "No, I think we should go this way," and it doesn't end up really being the designer's work by the end of it. It's hmm. kind of like just all these people's opinions in on it, and I think that's one thing I've learned too. Is and I tell my clients this, you know. You, nobody is going to know this better than you so while i do encourage you to to open this up to other opinions i think it's very important to just lean on your gut and and go with your gut on making decisions and know that you' you're gonna know it best um, and better than your aunt or uncle or cousin or anyone mm-hmm. who takes a look at it and has all these opinions about you know what colors they like um, so i think that that can that can definitely get really foggy at a bigger agency. Um, but there's benefits to both. I think it all kind of depends on the project. But in my case, I do work with a lot of smaller luxury brands. So I think it makes sense with their budget as well um, right. to work with a smaller studio.
0: Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. And moving to to your own thing, I mean, did anything change for you as far as like just how you, we might've touched on it a little bit already, but how you felt about your Work since you were really the one kind of forging your path versus, you know, before? I don't know if that mm-hmm. question's clear actually, but
1: I, I think I understand what you're saying. Like, um, well, my relationship with design has definitely improved because I did kind of feel like, you know, what does what I do mean to the world when I was working for other people? And I kind of touched on this, but my previous job just was really, um, really emotionally draining. And I didn't even realize the effects that it had on me until after I had left and was reflecting on um, my stress levels. And, you know, some people might think owning your own business is extremely more stressful than just going to a nine to five. I mean, I've heard that the amount of times I've heard that from friends and family, like I could never have my own business because I just clock in clock out. But I think, to when I was doing that for this company and I just it was so um, it was so hard just seeing the way that um, certain things were handled and so now knowing that I have full control over how I handle things and I, I feel like I have a lot of dignity in that and I anyone that I work with and interact with I want it to be as positive as possible and I know that that's not always going to be the case. There's always going to be hard things that happen. Um, but I definitely, yeah, I definitely fell out of love for a while with design. And I just felt like it was pretty pointless um, mm-hmm. to the world. And, and now, although it's not as, you know, meaningful as maybe a doctor, I do find a lot of joy and fulfillment and being able to help these businesses and these people pursue their dreams and create really awesome products and companies um, that I wouldn't have otherwise had an opportunity to work with.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I think, I mean, we have, so just, I usually say how I know the guests. So we have a mutual friend, Rob, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and he's done all my design for yes. my website.
1: Incredible. For this podcast.
0: Yeah. He's great. And we work really well together and I mean, we're best friends, but work really well together. I think because for one thing, I absolutely respect what he does because I can't do it. I mean, there's no way my website or my logo or anything would look like it does if I did it. And he's seen that. And I think I wouldn't undercut the importance of your job. It's just important. Like as a doctor, doctors also don't always like make people very happy.
1: You know? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. honestly,
0: but I think it's just a matter of appreciating that this is a talent. This is a job that requires talent and requires decisions and creativity and stuff that um, not everyone has, and that's what they need it. So that's my opinion on your job.
1: Thank you. That means a lot to me. And and yeah, I I will say that there's no better feeling like in my career than sending off a concept presentation and getting that email back right away like oh my gosh this is just better than I could have ever imagined and just having that um, positive effect on somebody and getting them really excited about their dreams um, Mm -hmm. that is meaningful to me and then on a deeper personal level um, the year that I left my full-time job and started doing this um, my niece actually Was diagnosed with cancer, and she Mm -hmm. was two years old at the time. And they were living in Minneapolis with us—not with me, but—and it was the only family member that I had. um, Was my brother and sister-in-law and her in Minneapolis? So I was able to go to every single chemotherapy treatment Mm -hmm. with her, um, and just block out my afternoon because of it. Because I had made this uh, this leap, and I had the flexibility, and I will just forever be grateful that. I made that decision that year because I wouldn't have gotten that flexibility, um, at a nine to five.
0: No, not at all. And I, that's well, and she's okay.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, She's doing really well. Yeah. She's, she's cancer free now. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really tough year for our entire family. So I was just really, really happy to have the flexibility.
0: Yeah, totally. And just, and to even be able to give that to yourself because Mm -hmm. you, you decided that that's how you were going to manage yourself. And I think there's different companies that manage things like that different ways. Right. And including how you did for yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's really great. And I'm glad, of course, I'm glad she's okay. Thank you. So have you found also like in a similar way, like in other ways that it's benefited you just to be out on your own? Like once you got through the rough times of starting
1: out, Yeah. And like from a professional standpoint or personal?
0: Both, I guess. Yeah. Either one or both. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I professionally, it's definitely um, pushed my creativity to new heights. And that was one thing that was a huge draw uh, when I made this decision was because I wanted to be able to work with multiple companies again, like an agency. Um, And now I've worked with with people that I never even imagined on on projects that I never could have imagined working on um, when I graduated school. So that has been incredible. And just seeing kind of, you know, my first project was, or my first inquiry when I left my job was a car dealership, which I kind of like scoffed at. I was like, I'm not doing branding for a car dealership. Like I want this mm-hmm. makeup brand or something which looking back, I'm like, now I would love to do branding for a car dealership. I think that'd be (laughs) sick. But that was like, it's so funny looking at, you know, I had made this post on LinkedIn and got all these inquiries from it was a lot of like, male entrepreneurs and spaces that I had no idea about and wasn't really interested in. And now it's like, 99.9% female owned businesses that reach out to me. And it's always kind of in my wheelhouse of like, wow, this is a dream project. Um, So I I feel like I've really been able to niche myself in that regard. Um, And and just from a personal standpoint, I feel like my relationships with the people closest to me has just gotten... (laughs) exponentially better I've just had more time and like I mentioned with my niece like I think when you're when you enjoy what you do at the end of the day you're just naturally in so much of a better mood and every interaction with your friends or family is just so much more pleasant and of course they're like hard days like with anything but um I've seen the effects and the people around me have seen the effects that that's had and even with COVID this year, uh, my sister and I were actually just both talking about this because she was working from home for the majority of the year, like a lot of us. And she just said, like, now she's back at work, she's like, I, man, coming home from work, I'm just exhausted and I'm just Mm -hmm. in a kind of bad mood some days. And so that's one of those things that, yeah, that I I saw a huge change in. And I think a lot more people can relate to that um, now with the pandemic and stuff, a lot of people that even said, I could never work from home, or I, you know, (laughs) I would never want to work from home now work from home, and they love it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a funny one, right? I've been remote for almost five years now. Wow. Well, I had a stint where I left my company and went to another one thinking, oh, it's going to be awesome. And it wasn't. But yeah, I've been home. And I think it's great. And it's it it was funny. how people I could never do that. I'm like, All right, well, I could not get up and go to an office anymore yeah. you know? oh now my gosh can you
1: imagine out. yeah no I can't yeah. I mean I can got either. dressed for
0: this but yeah <laughs> I, know.
1: I know like I did my makeup I did, I don't do this most days yeah but
0: no I haven't had to buy makeup in like six months that's <laughs> <laughs> great You know? it's it's so ridiculous so I think it was really cool just to hear so much about branding and just how you kind of fell back in love with what you do And I know I have certain brands that I just love and I'm kind of always like Bombas socks, for example, I always buy their socks. They donate some to charity. I kind of like the pictures of socks, but I don't have a foot thing. Just if anyone's listening, (laughs) (laughs) just to be clear. But um, do you have like a specific one or two brand projects that you worked on? Like so people can see what what stuff does.
1: Yeah. So most recently I worked with a really awesome natural beauty brand called Agristole Beauty Um, I loved working on their branding and their label designs, um, and I love what they stand for. I love that they use natural ingredients. Um, And then another cool company that actually just wrapped up was uh, the Aspen office. So it's a luxury co-working space based in Aspen, Colorado. And now after working with them, like, I need to go to Aspen. (laughs) It seems incredible there. Um, But that was really fun. That was super Retro, vintage inspired, like from 1980s, 1990s era. We used some really beautiful French typography and identity. Um, And yeah, that was a super fun project to work on. And I also just love their business idea. Um, And they're super uh, interesting entrepreneurs.
0: That's really cool. And just even thinking about the co-working spaces, um, being... I don't know about you, but one of my work from home things is I would always take my laptop to a coffee shop during the day, like when I didn't have meetings or something. And I would get out of the house. And now you I mean, well, I'm in London, so you literally really can't. You cannot you can yeah. go outside and go back in. I mean, that's what you can do, which you know, it's fine. I mean, that's where we're at now. But um I missed that. But I, I did think more about like co working spaces and and just doing that thing just to get out of my house. Yeah. Not not go to an office, but go somewhere. But have you um, worked in any of those before? Or what was your kind of pattern before COVID when you were working remotely?
1: Hmm. I did try it out. Um, I did like a day rate thing. And it just, to me, it wasn't worth it. I just, I don't know. I'm happy at home, honestly. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm content. I could just like sit at my, like right now my desktop computer is set up at uh, the Kitchen Island. And for months when... I was kind of living between places. I was just working from wherever. I mean, like our friend Rob, he mm-hmm. was a blessing, though. My God, he set up a whole desk in my bedroom at his place when I stayed with him. So that was like the most luxurious workspace I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really finicky. It's definitely a dream to have my own dedicated room, like in a house, mm-hmm. as my office. But in terms of co working spaces, I'm extremely introverted so I don't really need like that energy around me to be creative all the time I get my creative from or my, I get my creativity from traveling to places but mm. not necessarily like working in them In them. that makes sense yeah
0: no that does make sense and yeah I can definitely say that I put on headphones when I go somewhere and don't interact yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, same, I just,
0: same. Like, create a micro space for myself and whatever. Oh, sure, music I'm like I'm
1: afraid out. to go to the gym. Like I have a gym at this apartment and I'm like, yesterday I was trying to amp myself up. Like you can, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know what it is. I just like, I don't know. I just prefer to be around mm-hmm. people I'm comfortable with.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes total sense. <laughs> and so one thing that's cool that you do too, is as far as like clothing and, you're, I'd say probably in the sustainability too, but like, do you, you don't? I won't find you at the Gap or J. Crew or something, right? If you're looking no. for clothes.
1: <laughs> yeah. I told myself my, the last time I went to a mall, I was like, I just I can't do this anymore. Cause every time I go and I try so hard to just like muster up, you know, <laughs> whatever to be able to buy these. Um, like shittily made clothes and Mm -hmm. I have just realized you can find something so much better from a secondhand consignment shop or vintage shop which there are a ton of in Nashville so I recently moved to Nashville and that's one of the things that like I'm obsessed with here Uh, I live in East Nashville and there's just so Mm -hmm. many secondhand like flea markets and places that uh, you can find some really really cool stuff and Yeah, to me, I would just much rather find something like unique um, at a secondhand place versus these fast fashion places. I just, I have a hard time finding anything that I like and anything worth spending money on.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite piece you've picked up recently Mm -hmm. or?
1: Yeah, so it was like one of the first times that I went out during the pandemic. I went to this secondhand shop in Nashville I was really scared to go because I'm like, I, you know, people are staying mm-hmm. inside. I don't know if this is really a reason to go out, but they were being really safe. Um, and there's a mask mandate here and there has been the whole year. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's really yeah, nice. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, they're, and they were only letting like five or 10 people in. So it was kind of this like luxurious shopping experience because it was just like you and a couple other people. And I found this really beautiful, long velvet um, 19 probably 80s dress with like some feather detailing at the top and really thin spaghetti straps and it's super fitting um of course i won't have anywhere to wear it for a long time but it was like eight dollars and i was oh nice yeah and then even more recently i was up the hill at this place called um well there's this place called omg nashville it's old made good and they've got kind of like vintage clothes and vintage home goods and stuff but right next to it is a flea market and it's funny because you can't even find the flea market like on google maps they don't even advertise for it so i feel like it's one of these hidden gems um but i found so many old prints you might be able to see the corner of one over there but um really cool old photographs by this new york photographer who's featured in the museums there, mm. um, and I also found a mid-century radio that I really wanted for my kitchen, but it didn't work, so I was bummed to see that. But, uh, but yeah, that stuff excites me so much. My boyfriend makes fun of me because I always go to these places and I come home with like, like sometimes I'll just go to just to go just to look. Like I won't mm. always come home with something, or I'll come home with like a whole car full. Of stuff. <laughs> 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 So, yeah, really I cool. love that's fun. Yeah, it's
0: nice to have that that hobby and also just to reuse stuff. I mean, instead yeah. of buying new, I, I know one thing that's weird is just not buying clothes, like not having to buy clothes or even getting much wear out of my clothes the last year. I think they've yeah last another year, right?
1: Yeah, I've been living, <laughs> I've been living out of a suitcase for like six months. And I've just had I think I was wearing this the last time we talked to I've had like six shirts and like two pants. But you know, I don't go anywhere. So it works. But no, it works. Yeah, I, I think my my taste also is like, it's like two levels. It's either like super expensive or like, okay, I can get this at a thrift store. But I don't want that in-between mess. Like, But the, the super expensive stuff, like I can't afford. So I always try to find something at the like consignment shops that are a dupe for it. <laughs> so it just takes a lot of hunting, but I that's what I like. That's the fun part.
0: Did you watch Schitt's Creek?
1: Yes, love it. So
0: I don't know if you've ever heard, but Dan Levy talks, they have a special on Netflix, and they talk about just getting the clothes for like, david and for moira and oh, I, am, I immediately start talking like david too like oh david you know or maybe alexis but it's like i'm so excited but yeah they i don't know just if anyone's interested uh they did like cool stuff just talking about the costuming but it was really
1: interesting oh, that sounds really interesting i'm gonna have to watch there was that some
0: real it. couture like that they got and then just got found pieces that at different places wow. though
1: that's incredible
0: yeah. Can you imagine costuming those people?
1: Oh, so cool. Mora Mora's like outfits were just the best.
0: <laughs> well, just like the well, I don't wanna I mean I hope people have all seen it by now, but they might not have. But yeah, some of them were just amazing. Yeah. And her wigs.
1: Oh <laughs> my god. She's ah, they're just all my named spirit animal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. She's so great. I wish we did the whole podcast talking like her and no one would understand the word we
1: said. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. I'm really bad with imitations you're really good you could probably do it you should have you should have done that (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) um so do you have any like advice and I think you've given like I don't know just thank you because you've given such amazing information about someone who just would transition from corporate to their own thing and how that process works but do you have any advice or mantra that you like to share with people that maybe you follow or that was bestowed upon you sometime
1: Yeah, I I think leading with kindness is just the thing at the forefront of everything I do is, you know, even difficult conversations, if you're having them in a kind way, makes a huge difference. Um, That being said, setting boundaries early on and setting expectations is huge. Um, So that would be, I guess, my biggest advice, and just empowering people to Um, look out for themselves but knowing that you can do that in a nice way too because I think that was my biggest struggle I just I I felt like setting any boundaries with myself meant I was being mean to these other people or I wasn't putting them um, as a priority so I would say that and also just work at your own pace there are designers that crank stuff out like Rob he's insane he like (laughs) (laughs) I was telling him like, if you freelance, you could make so much money because (laughs) you just crank stuff out. And I think that he like people like that, there's such a huge place for in this industry, but also just knowing that if you do work a little slower, um, that's okay too just figure that into the cost of your projects and Mm -hmm. um, just know that, yeah, both are, both are good and both can be really beneficial
0: yeah and I guess I don't normally ask for ask a follow up or whatever after I ask the advice question, but one thing you mentioned earlier is about getting feedback and you know as someone receiving feedback on your work, it's hard because it's something you could take personally. but have you ever seen someone give feedback in a really in a kind way that you would say if someone was asking like, Hey, I'm working with a designer or I'm gonna yeah. redo my brand' but how do I give feedback without Mm -hmm. being awful? Like, do you have a way that you would tell someone here's a good way to approach it? Or even if you're giving feedback, I'm talking too much, but even if you're giving feedback on like to someone else, like an employee or whatever, yeah. like do you have a way that you like to approach it?
1: Such a great question because I think that is something that should be talked about more because it could be really helpful to people. Um, I would say the biggest thing is just being really detailed and really comprehensive in your feedback. So rather than just saying, I don't like this, or this looks like shit, take Mm -hmm. the time to point out every single thing about it that you don't like and why. And if you do that, I don't think anyone can take it personally, if you have a reasoning behind it. Um, So that's one thing I do in my feedback questionnaires, like I'll always send visuals, and then I send them a questionnaire that they have to answer each question. And I'm asking specifics. For each. So I'll say, which concept do you like the most? What do you like about it? What do you dislike about it? So I even give them an opportunity to tell me what they don't like about their favorite concept. Mm-hmm. And I think that also kind of makes them feel a little bit more comfortable with it because there are definitely people that are afraid to give semi-negative feedback. And that's the last thing that I want because I want them to love the end product too. I don't want anybody to feel like they need to be too nice. Um, Just to like, so they don't hurt my feelings and then they get something that they're not as happy with. So I think just being as explicit in those questions and then in your feedback is really, really helpful. And always just saying like, yeah, this is why I don't think that this would work as well. Um, I think that that's really helpful and that opens the door to conversation and maybe I can convince them otherwise or maybe, maybe they're right. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I would say that.
0: Yeah, that's good. And that's smart of you too set up set it up where you provide an opportunity to both receive positive and negative feedback but for them to give it that's that's good because I think then they'll feel better too if they're able to say well this is what I like and this is what I don't like versus just all negative that's smart
1: I like it. yeah absolutely and then if they say there's nothing they don't like about it then you know okay this is for sure you know this is going to sit well with them. I might still explore some other things with it, but this they're liking the path that this is going down. So yeah, for sure.
0: Cool. Awesome. Well, I have a set of questions at the end of that. I ask at the end of each podcast called the fun five. And so yeah. I want to ask you those. So this will actually be interesting with you. Um, Cause I don't know if you're even a t-shirt person, but what's the oldest like t-shirt you have and still wear.
1: Oh gosh. Probably like my high school volleyball. t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> My Orion Chargers, it's a cutoff and it's just so soft and comfortable because it's so old. (laughs) That'd probably be it.
0: (laughs) That's cool. That's good. Okay, so I was hoping that this wouldn't still be true by now, but it is. So a lot of people say it's like really kind of like Groundhog's Day right now because every day is kind of the same. We wake up and do the same thing every day since we're in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, So thinking back on the movie, Bill Murray... Uh, had I've Got UBay playing on his alarm clock every time, every day when he woke up, what song would you mm. have on your alarm clock if it really was Groundhog's Day?
1: Mm. I'm looking really quickly at my playlist because I just made a really uh, nostalgic one of like my top, top favorite songs. I'd say it'd be something by um, Supian C- Stevens. Yeah. Supian Stevens. I can never really say his name. Um probably, like Chicago or something like that, oh. and I'm from Illinois, so yeah, kind of fitting, um, or something by the national <laughs> no,
0: that's cool- oh gosh, my buddy loves the national. so he would love that um, but yeah, that was, song was on that show, The Politician on Netflix mm-hmm. too the Chicago that's great, okay, and yeah. I have a Spotify playlist of all the songs, so I'm super excited to add that one to it. It's great, <laughs> okay, coffee or tea or neither.
1: Mm, Both. (laughs) But right now I'm actually not drinking very much coffee. I'm not going to say I'm not drinking coffee, but I'm waking up and drinking Earl Grey tea with a little bit of collagen creamer in it. It makes Mm -hmm. it kind of creamy and a splash of um, oat milk. That's been like my go-to because I was drinking just six cups of coffee for the last like five months. So I'm yeah. trying to trying to back down from that, but no, I'll never quit coffee completely. It's so good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Did did do you feel a little better not having so much coffee?
1: I do kind of feel like I don't have that crash, that afternoon crash. Mm. Um, and I think that that was due in part because I was just drinking too much coffee, and then it like wear off, and I would just be so tired come like two or three p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have felt better in that regard. But that's good. Yeah.
0: So this question basically when was the last time you laughed so hard you cried or just couldn't stop or is there <laughs> something is there something that makes you do that when you think of it?
1: Uh, when I was at Rob's actually <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what happened, but we were there and um just countless nights laughing so hard up at night like and that was just so nice because I haven't seen any friends hardly throughout the pandemic so it was just so nice to be with a friend again and he's hilarious so yeah definitely a time with Rob
0: (laughs) good well yeah and it's nice I'm sure like I can't wait to laugh with people in person that's good yeah
1: yeah so
0: and the last one who inspires you right now
1: well, Milton Glaser always inspires me, and he died semi-recently, so I've been really reading up on him. Um, and he has a quote that I really like. Uh, it's there are three responses to a piece of design: yes, no, and wow. Wow is the one to aim for, and I just love that because I think that kind of goes back to just that feeling when you when you get a really positive reaction from something you send the client, and when you feel like you're in alignment. And there's there's just no better feeling. And in this business, so yeah.
0: Oh, that's cool, that's really cool. <laughs> um, so is there anything as far as like when people wanna know who you are or about your work, where should they go and look for that?
1: Yeah, so I'd say my Instagram is where I put most of my work. Um, it's at Steph, S-T-E-P-H, and then my last name, Mathena, M as in math, A-T-H-E-N-A, underscore design. Um, and then from there you can also see the link to my website.
0: Cool. That's great. And I'll um, have that in the show notes, but Steph, it was really great talking to you, learning more about your career and thanks so much for sharing all that.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was incredible to talk to you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining me this week. You can find out more about our guest in the show notes. The music you're probably moving to by now is by Joe Mafia. Find him on Spotify, That's Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. And Rob Medkey is responsible for our visual design. You can find him online by searching for Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Thanks, Rob. Let us know who you'd like to hear from or about your own experiences defining yourself outside of work at More Than Work Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Give us a follow. Or visit our website at rabia said.com Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to More Than Work. We'll be back next week with another guest. In the meantime, while being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.